In this Lenten season, leading up to Good Friday and Easter, we are taking a look at the, the book of Proverbs, which is God speaking these words of guidance in the flourishing life in a very specific way. One of the things that sets Proverbs apart is, is how a street-level practical it is, and also the breadth of topics it addresses. Because it realizes that our, our lives are lived in very diverse settings. There's a lot that goes into what it means to be human, what it means to be us. And if God is going to be truly loving and truly for us, then He's got to speak into all of these areas of our lives and say, this is the way. This is what I designed you for. This is the path of flourishing, and it's my heart and desire for you to walk in this way. And so during the season of Lent, we're looking at specific topics in the book of Proverbs and trying to understand and be attentive to God's voice as He leads us. And last week, we started off with this topic of self-control. And the reason why we started off with that topic in particular is because it connects to every other single topic that we are going to talk about. And one of the things we said was that everything that matters in life is tied into this idea of self-control. Everything that is important in our lives is connected to our ability to find the right combination of saying yes and saying no, of choosing what is good and right and best. And we see this dynamic at play in a very powerful way in our topic for today, and that is how we choose what we say or what we don't say. I think most of us heard this saying growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but birds will never hurt me. Um, the Bible paints a very different picture. Uh, the Bible says our words um, can actually do great harm. And they can also do great healing. Um, in the words of Albus Dumbledore to Harry Potter, he said, Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic, capable of both inflicting injury and of remedying it. Or as Proverbs before us says, There is one whose rich words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, in our current world, we are more connected than ever. Technology has seen to that, that we live in a world where we can uh, be more connected and our webs of relationships can spread further than ever before. And what that means is that words are flying at a pace and at a rate and at a distance like nothing else in human history. And, and words have an incredible power. And in the words of the great philosopher Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And so if we are going to be a part of healing our world, we have to know how we are to use our words. We have to choose carefully how we are to use our words. 
Because words this morning, as we are going to see, have two main powers. There is the power to tear apart and to tear down. And there is the power to bring together and to build up. And so I just want to look at these two powers with the the question to all of us, how will we use our words in the time that God has given us? So first, the power of words to tear apart and to tear down. So the, the first words recorded in the Bible are not human words. The Bible starts with a very different voice. Genesis 1 and 2 begins with a voice that is full of goodness, full of wisdom, full of power, full of authority, that is speaking words that bring life. And God said, let there be, and it was. There's this beautiful rhythm that happens, and then God sees and says, it is good. Speaks humanity into existence and said, it is, it is very good. There are different interpretations as to the mechanisms of how our world was formed and filled, but the Bible teaches that it is God Himself who does the forming and who does the filling. It is God Himself who speaks these words of life out of goodness and purity and love and the world as we know it and humanity as we know it comes into existence. And I think about Jesus' own words on earth when He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's true for us because it's true for God. Out of the overflow of, of God's heart, God speaks. So as we see a world that is bursting forth with life, with goodness, with beauty. Uh, What we see here is that's coming out of a heart that is full of goodness and truth and beauty and life. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 paints this compelling picture of. But the story takes a significant turn shortly after that where we see the entrance of another voice into this world. If God's voice is bringing life, this voice is bringing death. If God's voice is speaking truth, this voice is bent on deceiving. If God's voice is bent on bringing order, this voice is bent on bringing chaos. And it's this voice that speaks these initial subtle words, did God really say? In other words, are are you sure God can really be trusted? Are you sure he's not really just holding back on you? Are you sure that you can follow what he really says as one who is out for your good? And humanity buys into this and makes this decision to go our own way and the results are tragic. From this voice whose heart is to tear down and tear apart because that's just what we see happen in the opening chapters of the Bible. Humanity, instead of experiencing a close and vibrant and life-giving relationship with God, all of a sudden finds themselves hiding, afraid, guilt, shame. Uh, What we heard in words of of Adam, poetry to his, his new wife, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, all of a sudden that togetherness turns into words of accusation. God, it it wasn't me. Uh, It was the woman 
that you gave me. And so right away, words are coming into our world that are tearing down and pulling apart. And the human dilemma is not just that we experience that, but now those words have taken root inside of us in a way that we embody those similar kind of words. That we all find ourselves stuck in ways in which we participate in this work of tearing down and tearing apart. Which is why in our New Testament lesson that Emma read just a moment ago, we read these words in Ephesians 4 where we're told to let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up. If you look at that word corrupting in the Greek, it's the same word that Jesus used on multiple occasions to describe a tree that was diseased and dying. In other words, it's rotting away. Makes me think of something that happened a few years ago on, on the Auburn campus. Uh, there was this place called Tumor's Corner where they go to celebrate uh, victories and important moments in the life of the university. And in this corner there, there are these two oak trees that had been there for uh, nearly a hundred years. Um, and the people would come and they'd roll the trees and they'd celebrate. And it was a big part of the life of, of kind of an Auburn University student. And there was this, this Alabama fan uh, who did not like Auburn uh, at all. And so he came up with this plan to take this herbicide, um, uh, basically this poison that is going to kill trees. And he came and snuck in at night and he poured this herbicide on these trees. But he chose not just to pour out enough that would kill the trees. He decided to put 500 times as much uh, on these trees. He was quoted later as saying, I wanted Auburn people to hate me as much as I hated them. Uh, there was too much poison that was poured on these trees. They tried everything they could do to, to save these, but the poison had done its work. Its purpose was not to bring life, to help these trees to, to grow strong and for their roots to be deep. The purpose was simply to kill them. Uh, Paul's saying our words can function a lot like that. Our words can be poisonous in a way that does the opposite of bringing life, that they actually bring death. And we're told to not let our words be like that. Consider some of what we read in Proverbs 12.8. We use our words to cut. Proverbs 15.4. We use our words to break others' spirits. Proverbs 14.1. We use our words to stir up anger. Proverbs 26.20, we use our words to feed fighting in others. Proverbs 17.9, we use our words to separate close friends. There's a couple references to a whisper here. And they're whispering because they're talking about other people. And they're dividing friends. And Proverbs is addressing this work of how our words not only tear down, but, but pull apart. And it's not a new work, it's a work that's been going on for a long time that was thought up by somebody who is very much against God. There was a time when our boys were younger and they were uh, fighting and they were, words were passing back and forth at a very quick rate. And so um, one of us, my wife or I, we, we got a knife out of the cupboard. And just for the record here, so this... <laughs> Um, we were not threatening our kids. 
We were not attacking our kids. So please do not call defects on us. It was a visual lesson in a very calm way. You can look at a knife and you can see how sharp it is. And you know how easily it can cut and do harm and do damage. But we don't see that with our words. We don't see our words as having power. We don't see them as being sharp. We don't see them as capable of doing the same kind of harm. And so what we were trying to say is this is what your words are like right now. What you are doing and just speaking is making deep cuts in one another. This work of tearing down and tearing apart. Think about our words. More than just anger, words also of frustration. Our words can be passive-aggressive. They can be words of indifference and words of apathy. Defensive words, accusing words, belittling words, gossiping words, critical, judgmental, greedy, selfish, manipulative, weakening. Against courage, against hope, against faith. And Ephesians says something surprising here. It says when we use our language like this, it actually grieves the Spirit of God. We can sometimes picture God as a very static being, and yes, theologically, He is unchangeable, but there is this mystery in which God is is told to grieve at ways in which we hurt one another. And Paul says, let not your words grieve the Spirit of God, because His energy and His heart is working against something very different. His life, at the cost of His own Son, is poured into bringing together and building up. We're made for more. Using our words is not just about us, but it's about how we become agents who speak words of life into our world and words of healing. We live in an incredibly angry world. And in so many ways, Christians are are feeding that anger. How can we be a part of something very different of God bringing hope and healing? That doesn't mean we agree. That doesn't mean we say everything has to be nice. We do speak both grace and truth. But it makes us question, how do we use our words? And like I said last week, as you think about those questions, the emphasis is not on how does your spouse or your kid or your friend, how do they use their words? But how do you use your words? Second, The power for words to bring together and build up. The good news in the story of Scripture is that God continues speaking. It's not just that we hear this beautiful life-giving voice and then another deadly voice comes in and God says, okay, that's it. Uh, You've listened and y'all seem to be getting along really well, so I'm done with this. God keeps speaking. Words of grace, words of truth, words of power. So the Old Testament is filled with words of promise, words of invitation, words of guidance, words of warning. And it builds up all the way to what we read in Hebrews 1, where we see, in the past, God spoke at many times and in many ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. There is a reason why Jesus is called the Word of God. It is the embodiment of God's voice, of that voice of goodness and truth. And life that spoke at creation is now embodied in Jesus Himself, bringing life, healing, forgiveness, restoration. And we are to both receive this and extend this. I want you to think about what an ambassador does 
the, the United States has many different ambassadors that go into different countries, and their job is not to speak their own opinions on things. They don't go to these prime ministers and dictators and say, well, the United States says this, but I, I think you're fine. I th- don't worry about that. I know they say that. Their job is to speak in a way that reflects the intent and purpose of the United States. In the similar way, that's the way Paul thought about his own role as a minister of the gospel. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. So that it's not just our lives, but our words are meant to reflect the character and purposes of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Consider how Proverbs talks about the power of our words to heal. Proverbs 10.11, our words can be a fountain of life. Proverbs 11.13, our words can cover offenses. Proverbs 25.15, our words can break through hardened hearts. Proverbs 12.18, our words can bring healing. Proverbs 12.25, our words can lift burdens and they can bring joy. Proverbs 15.1, our words can calm anger. Proverbs 15.4, our words can be like a tree of life. Proverbs 15.23, our words can bring joy in very difficult and heavy times. Proverbs 16.24, our words are like honey. They're sweet, nourishing. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, Paul says, but only as is such for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Um, Jesus is the one who speaks words of life, and we are called to not only receive that word of life, but also extend and share it with others. But here's where it gets a little bit tricky. Because growth in how we speak isn't just a matter of becoming more disciplined, of not just kind of making a white-knuckled choice and say, I'm not going to say anything wrong this week. I'm not going to say anything hurtful, anything demeaning. There is an element of that of of we are called to be intentional about how we speak. But if, if what Jesus says is true, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, then what that means is if we want to be a people who speak words of life and healing, then we've got to give great attention to what's happening in here. Um, Ella Filson's a, a part of our church family, and she's been doing some graduate studies, and she's just some undergrad, and just some environmental policy. And we had a great conversation the other day just about what, what good stewardship looks like of God's creation. That's part of our calling as people and the different steps that we can take. And our conversation went to um, just landfills and how much trash there is. And Uh, One of the challenges with landfills is that um, they produce so much methane gas, uh, and all this gas is buried underground, which means there is this risk of it just uh, combusting and just exploding. And so what they'll do is they'll uh, build little hoses and little spigots that will go out of this uh, kind of mound of covered garbage so that you can uh, find ways to release the the methane gas in, in different ways and direct it um, into containers and all sorts of of other things. And I was actually driving down the road 
Um, it was, I was in a different city and I saw one of these. It was this huge, uh, it was this huge kind of mountain of, of dirt and all along there were just these spigots everywhere. And as I looked at that, I thought just what a great picture of the human heart. Um, there's so much that is buried in here. And what happens as our words are these little spoutings out uh, of this kind of poisonous gas. And if you're to solve that problem, what you need to do is go underneath the surface and somehow transform what's there so that what it produces is something that gives life. Um, that's what needs to happen in our hearts, and that's what the gospel does. Paul says in that passage, he calls us to be imitators of God. That means we are to mimic God. We're to speak like Him. That's the ambassador language. But he doesn't just say try harder and be imitators of God. He identifies the power behind it. He says, be imitators of God as what? As beloved children. And walk in love as what? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Uh, yesterday, we had a new members class, and it was really encouraging just time together. And we're talking about our church and some of the things that we believe and some of our aspirations and, um, and who we want to be as a church and connected to God's uh, bigger work. And, and somewhere along the way, we talked about trains uh, and pose the question, uh, if, if you want a train to go, what kind of car do you need uh, to be working? Uh, you, you need an engine. If you just try to take a caboose and put it at the front and expect that train to go, it's not going to move anywhere. And I was trying to make the point that in, in the Christian life, we have to, to get our trains in the right order. That the caboose is kind of our intense efforts to speak well. Uh, but that's not the driving force. What pulls that is something much more powerful. And Paul identifies that there. He says, you are beloved children. And you are to walk in love as Christ loved you. In other words, when we experience the kind of love that God has shown in the gift of His Son, seen most powerfully on the cross, what that does is it produces a kind of security, a kind of peace. It diffuses defensiveness. It diffuses our anger, our desire to attack, our desire to exact revenge. Because we see, this is how God related to me. Why would I want to relate to someone in a completely different way? And so as we think about our words and how we use our words, so much of the battle takes place at that gospel level. Um, the world looks around and sees a lot of mean Christians and makes the conclusion that Christianity just is simply not true. When in reality, a mean Christian is, is either not a Christian or example that has not gone in deep enough. Because if the gospel goes in deep, it should radically change who we are, what we live for, what we speak for, how we give ourselves to one another. A heart that has been changed by the gospel is giving of itself in sacrificial and humble and faithful ways, not to tear down and tear apart, but to bring together and to build up. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. Let's pray. Our good Father, we thank You that
You speak to us with a voice that is good and life-giving and beautiful. Um, for those here who um, are maybe just hearing your voice for the first time, would you give an understanding and an awakening? Would you wake all of us up to hear your word, to follow you, to trust you, to love you, and to be a part of your work that brings healing and hope to our world? It is in your great name we pray. Amen.